This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guests are Drs. Dennis and Jen Clark, who are no stranger to this ministry. They've been on our program many times, and every time you guys have a fresh revelation of what God has done in you and around you and through you, they're actually here in the studio, if I if it sounds like I'm talking to them directly. And and let me tell you something about this brand new teaching that they have, which is which is really, really powerful. There are there's a move right now where Christians are wanting and desiring to go deeper in God, but they're hungry for the deeper things. Uh, not weird things, not things that uh, don't make any sense, but they're hungry for a deeper walk with God, a fresh touch from God, and they're looking for ways that they can go into the heart of God in a deeper way and live clean and live pure and get hungry for God and, and you know, uh, in, in a world that's so crazy right now. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And the Word of God is clear on that, but the Clarks have rediscovered uh, this beautiful teaching that we're going to get into in a little while. Thank you guys for being in the studio with us. And let's go back to 2016. Uh, something began to happen to your family. What what happened? Well, we began to pursue holiness. We were hearing a lot of messages on holiness, prophetic words. And we saw that in this pursuit, uh, we saw men like John Wesley had changed the nation. Now, but for we, those who don't know who John Wesley is, can you remind the people yeah, at home who uh, he was? John Wesley was a, a 17th century preacher who basically, in his evangelistic circuit, also developed small groups of mentoring people and accountability groups and literally changed and transferred an entire nation uh, with with the, the gospel of Jesus. It wasn't just a word going forth. It was a, a change the in the culture. Wow, which is why you guys did this book. You're hoping to see a fresh change, a wind to blow through our culture, and we'll get into that in a little while. So in 2016, you were studying and meditating yeah. on the teachings of John Wesley. What began to happen? And and the interesting thing was is something uh, that, you know, you can know a truth legally and have it vitally not really applying to your life at right. any great depth, right. or you think you've got it at great depth, and God says, I want to show you how much deeper you can go in that same truth. Right, exactly. And he did a, a work on us on Galatians 2.20, and, and boy, we just love praying it now. Galatians 2.20, for I'm crucified for, with Christ, no yeah. longer either. And here, here's the I key. I no longer live, but he lives in me. He lives in me. And here's the truth that really transcended. It was a transformation of me to we. Yes. And I saw conflict, even in talking with other uh, Christians, when they would say you. I didn't know what they were talking about because my you was fused together, joined together as a new creation reality. My you was me and Jesus, a we concept. Theirs was a me concept. You hear people all the time argue over the word you. They'd say, well, you can't do that. And someone else would say, yes, you can. Apart from him, you can do nothing. What you is that, right? That's, that's the flesh. But 
the you that God's looking for is the joined together with him. And so when you say you can't heal anybody, well, of course, you, apart from God, I can't. Like that, but, but all I can do. Can. All, but we I can. like that. I like that a lot. And so we started with this premise. Galatians 2.20 came as an experience to where suddenly it was, if it is no longer I who live, but Jesus that lives in me, then it's no longer I who love. It is no longer I who forgive. But it's that union and communion that's doing the work through us. It's God who is at work to will and to perform. Well, this Galatians 2.20 came as an instant awareness of a we. And I've known theologically, I've known this for many, many years, but all of a sudden, God brought me into an experience. And so we started pursuing that we, we can't live the Christian life. We actually need a selfers prayer more than we need a sinner's prayer at this point. <laughs> right. It's because you cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. But you can through him when the consciousness is a more God-inside-minded we. So I'm believing that we're praying for people. And we saw it imparted in our church. We started laying hands on people. And, and, and they were receiving the, what I call the replaced life. It's his life replacing ours. We yield to him. He lives through us. So let me ask you guys a question. I, I know we know each other really well. And you've wrote wonderful books. And I, I've actually produced a lot of those shows that we've done where we talk about the Jesus in you. Um, and is this the is this revelation bridging the gap between, yes, there, there's Jesus in you, then you got you, but I, we're turning it to a we thing here. Exactly. Am I saying that right? Right. We yield, he lives. Okay. So, Jen, in the pursuit of all this, you guys were soaking in the presence of the Lord. Uh, Dennis, you were saying that you're laying hands on people. This whole this whole teaching, you have to understand, for those who are listening, this whole teaching is impartable. And they're going to even pray at the end of this podcast here in a little bit that you begin to walk in these things. And But you guys were pursuing holiness and pure love and radical Christianity and a lit a fire in you guys. And Jen, you found what's called the Didache, which is the lost teachings of the apostles. You have a personal testimony. Talk about this lost teaching of the apostles and then talk about uh, what God began to do in you through that through the discovery. Okay, we had been walking in this experience for a while and pursuing holiness and let, allowing Jesus to live through us. And when we, we were looking back to what had inspired John Wesley, his vision was for the pure Christianity of the early church. And so we were saying, this is what we want. This is what church was meant to be, not what it's been made over the years, but that's the gold standard to be like the early church. Isn't that what Absolutely. all of us want? Yes. And we were accountable to one another. We were sharing our failings and our temptations and pursuing holiness. But when we got the Didache and started reading it and studying it, and we must realize that this these early believers were Jewish. The apostles were Jewish. So it's written from that perspective of... Um, Knowing, knowing the Bible, living what God says, be ye holy for I am holy. And we started looking at what was in the Didache. And it now, what does the Didache mean, that word? Okay, Didache literally means teaching 
or training. Okay. Now, in the document that was found in 1873, it has both titles. In the Bible where you read about the apostles' teaching or the yes. apostles' uh-huh. doctrine, uh-huh. this is what it's talking about. Oh, wow. And, but then it has a long title, and the whole long title is the Lord's teaching through the apostles to the nations. Wow. And in being in studying it as scholars and historians studied it, they've reached the conclusion that it's clear that nobody other than a messianic believer wrote this and they really have traced it back to the apostles, the consensus. And you guys feel that the apostles actually wrote uh, the Didache, this lost teaching that has been rediscovered. And by the way, for those of you at home, this Didache is weaved within the book that they have written, yes. uh, uh, the Clark's, uh, the lost teachings mm-hmm. of the apostles. It, but it brought such heart conviction and such... You said, you said get ready for your world to be to, rocked. Yes. That was yes, you. you. I know you well. Do you really want Jesus, do you? It says your sins have separated you from me. So that means we've got to deal with the sins. It says in Hebrews twelve fourteen that pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Well, we want the Lord in his glory. That means we've got to, just like it says in Revelation 19, the bride made herself ready. This is a making the ready of the bride. This is getting rid of the spots and the wrinkles that prevent us from being the glorious church, the glorious and, bride. And Jen, speaking of that, you talk about how this whole teaching uh, made made you to long for your first love again. Oh yes, we talk about that. We we. I'm afraid I'll, I'll speak as myself, but we all of us, we get caught up in everyday life and we let things slide. We, uh, I'm not even talking about making a snarky comment, but even thinking a snarky thought or mental rolling of the eyes of someone. <laughs> it's really a form of contempt and it's pride on our parts that we are making ourselves better than somebody else. And so the fine it's the fine-tuning of attitudes that this did for me, an awareness. And at any moment, you can switch from that. That's good. Oh, Lord, and you can go to him in you. That's good. And you're cleansed, and then you can walk in newness of life, in holiness. Actually, my first experience after praying that Galatians 2.20 and actually experiencing it, was driving down the road and talking about things that uh, other people don't know, but you're thinking them in your head. I got behind a car that was going like 10 miles an hour and a 35, <laughs> you know, or a 45. And instantly, I know the normal me is, oh, brother, you know. And instead, I saw the car in front of me had a handicapped sign hanging from the rearview mirror, and I started to get teary-eyed, and I started releasing compassionate and healing for whatever ailed them. And I'm saying, this is different than Dennis's normal response. And I said... This is different. This is different because I know Dennis. Jennifer confirmed this is different. So let me let me ask you guys this: When you talk about this book, the Lost Teachings of the Apostles, at first you were like, maybe this was a manual, so to speak. I'm using exactly. that word manual to disciple new Christians. But the more that you got into it and saw the quality and began to understand the the quality of the Christian lives that it produced in the first century, 
you were amazed at how this is impacting believers now who've been saved 20, 30 years. I mean, you guys have been saved a long time as it is, but you're watching how this teaching is bringing everybody back to the gold standard of what it was supposed to look like as a Christian in the first century. Right. Yes, absolutely. That, and, that's saying it. Yeah. And we took, we took lesson one in the Didache that blew my church people away. And my people were well-trained. They were well-taught, many of them 20, 30-year Christians. And like I said, at, at first we thought this is to disciple these clueless Gentiles who had no background. For the harvest coming in, for the harvest. Yes. For the harvest. And we're seeing for such a time as this, it's going to be pretty much the same. It's going to be a culture clash. There's going to be people that basically are not going to know a biblical standard. But when I deliver this to my people who know a biblical standard and have a biblical standard, I lost many of them on the first teaching. And that was... Not lost in a good way. Lost in a good yeah, way. They're yeah, they're blown away. Yeah. <laughs> they're blown away by... In the beginning, it said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And bless your enemies, pray for your enemies. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not new. And then it says, fast and pray for your enemies. Uh-oh. This is, and I'm going, Uh-oh. I don't know of anybody, including <laughs> myself, that actually fasted and prayed for enemies. Tell them why. Mainly because it changes you and it changes your heart to where, look, the average Christian is poor me when you get persecuted. Poor me, I feel bad. I've been rejected. I've been hurt. But in this, they're, training a new Gentile believer to love the Lord your God with all your heart and fast and pray for your enemies. You won't have any enemies because the heart will change in you and you see them as the victim. Boy, that's so good. And that's that's in the Didache, this lost teaching, uh, just right, at, right off the bat. Right off the bat. So let me ask you this. Something that you guys said in your book, which I, which I really love because I try to live this out myself, you call this lost teachings of the apostles, you call it, a tool designed to be applied in the everyday ordinariness of life. Absolutely. I mean, most of us uh, live in the ordinary moments of life. I mean, we have mountaintop experiences, but that's not the norm. You don't jump from one mountaintop experience. That's how people get discouraged and backslide. But most of our lives are made up of going to work, paying bills, you know, running to the store, mowing the lawn. So how does this tool this lost teaching of the apostles, the Didache, how is it applied to our everyday lives and, and, and make an impact in that way? Well, the first thing that it, it did for me myself, and if I was going to teach others, I had to make sure it was happening in me. I saw the wisdom in what the rabbis even taught as fences. In other words, we, we can, as believers, going about in our everyday life, judge ourselves based on our behavior. Like, I didn't kill anybody today. I didn't, you know, I didn't run nobody off the road. Uh, but Doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, yeah. But the, what the Didache reminded us of, that fences were to catch something way before it developed into murder. So good. A fence protected you. Matter of fact, tithing was a fence to protect you from greed. Wow. So adultery and murder do not just fall on the Christian out of the sky. They, the Didache was teaching to live your everyday life and watch all of that in a submission to the we. The little seeds, the little things, the little foxes, the little foxes to pay attention. And here, let, let me, let me ask you guys this, and I know it's in the book, one of your life teachings to both of you is to go to Jesus within, yes. ask for forgiveness, get the woundedness out, and and um, 
We've talked about this many times. You actually weave that teaching in within this book to say, listen, and you tell me if I'm saying this right, uh, the Didache, we rediscovered it. It's powerful. The lost teachings of the apostles. People are getting touched. It's impartable. But by the way, we're going to help you get rid of any junk in you right. so you can have a leg up on this whole thing as you begin to go after God a deeper way. Right. Correct? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's all, it comes by yielding to Jesus in us. For whatever need we have, God gives us Jesus, right? So you need forgiveness. You yield to Jesus, the forgiver in you. You need strength. I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. You yield to him and receive. You don't beg him for it. You yield to meet your needs. And so here's here's the thing that ministered to me, and I know it'll minister to you at home, is, and these are my own words, when I read the book, especially talking about the thing that Jen just said, they help you start over, begin again. It doesn't matter what stage of your life you're, you're right. at. It doesn't mean right. you're going backwards. It's an t- opportunity to get yourself clean, get the junk out, get for- forgiveness in you, let Jesus touch you. And then, by the way, now here's the Didache. Here's the lost teachings of the apostles where you can build on a clean foundation, right. a pure foundation exactly. to yes, move yes. forward in God. And let me ask you guys a question, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's go back to the first century. Why was the Didache, the lost teachings of the apostles, why was that actually written by the apostles? What was the purpose? Well, they, they ran into an issue. All of a sudden, there was this beautiful discovery that Gentiles can get saved, except these Jewish believers had a foundation of Old Testament, uh, one God. Uh, they had a foundation of morality. But all of a sudden now there's these Gentiles who are like, it's a clash of cultures. There's a totally different perception of right and wrong. They needed to be able to instruct these Gentiles in a training concept of what is right and what is wrong. And let me interrupt you, Dennis, if I may. For the people at home to understand, the reason they did this is because there was no epistles written yet. No epistles, It's what you're saying. No, there was no, no gospel. gospels written yet. So they took the teachings of the number one authority, Jesus, yes. that they heard yes. and, and merged it from what I see with a lot of the Old Testament uh, scriptures that Jesus brought to light. And this is not gospel. You make it clear this is not uh, the gospel. But it was a teaching tool for the apostles prior to the New Testament being written. Right, and it would have been a teaching that Paul and Barnabas took with them to Antioch and on the missionary journeys, and there there are several scriptures uh, that talk about using the training or the teaching by Paul himself. So I, I just see God's wisdom in this, that they wouldn't have gone without some sort of way to reach these um, Gentiles. I actually saw so much love in it because, you know, the Jewish believers would have said to love the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Well, now all of a sudden these Gentiles were not in Egypt. Right. right. And they, they, they very lovingly said that, and the Gentiles in many cases had multiple gods. So they says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, the God who made you. And they basically laid out, and they even took the Ten Commandments 
and broke them down further for the benefit of Gentiles who had no value system. They did not take those things for granted as, as a uh, lifestyle of morality. And in your guys' book, you talk about, hey, listen, the culture today, even the evangelical culture today, the church, is not mirroring what the, that we saw in the first century. And this, you guys wrote this to help bring us back to center. Right, right. Um, just like John Wesley had a vision for the first century, the first thing I did as a believer was I grew up not knowing the Bible. And before I found a church, I wanted a church that believed the Bible. So I'd read the book of Acts and showed up in church. <laughs> and it was, wait a minute here. I saw the clash right from the beginning. This does not look like the first century church. And Jen, you, you make an amazing parallel in the book about modern day paganism, even within our church, oh, my how the church uh, is beginning to implement a lot of spiritualism, new right. age practices, uh, even Marxism and so on. Talk about that. Right. Well, for one thing, um, we learned that socialism is rampant in the church, especially with the young people. And I have been concerned about that because it's not taught in the Bible. And you go through the teachings of Jesus and he didn't teach that. And then it just grieves me at people getting involved with the occult practices. I see that so common in the churches and we know a lot of younger people, millennials and Generation Zs, and they think nothing of mixing in other spiritual practices with their Christianity. I think that's one of the most harmful things. But then the morality, because there's no sense of morality. Somebody called it sexual atheism, that they'll pick and choose what parts of the Bible they want to believe. And you guys wrote this book to bring everybody out of that mess, yes. the church out of that yes. mess, individuals. I feel after reading your book, uh, Jen, and you had your own awakening, and Dennis, yes. you too, and your son had a powerful awakening. Uh, I, I feel for, for people that have been uh, born again as long as you guys have, and after what I've read, the same situation, is that it's it's really a wake-up call to the individual. Say, listen, you're doing good, but here's what the gold standard is right. uh, of Christianity. And you help bring everything back to that standard. Yes, yes. And you, you begin to have these aha moments that we've really drifted. We really have. It's, it's shocking how much we've drifted. And the more we um, read and studied about the first and second century Christians, um, it is, it's astounding. I'm, I'm concerned because I thought when we discovered the Didache, the light bulb went off, so to speak, on the fact that it's no different now than it was for those early, those early apostles teaching Gentiles if there was a huge harvest. And, and pastors need to answer this question. What would you do if your church suddenly tripled or doubled with the believers who were not raised in the church? How would you teach How would, them? Where would you start? You can't just hand them a Bible and say, here, read I'm discipling you, read it. Right, right because right. we all read the Bible. And my, my test is, well, what has been produced by everybody knowing, having a Bible and being able to read it? I'm not impressed. I look back to the early church and that's 
what I long for. That's what I want to experience. That's what I want to see in society. And oh, just one um, statement about John Wesley. He said other preachers in his day in, in England looked around like we're in a Christian nation. He said, no, we're no better than the pagans in the first century. Wow. That we do not live in a Christian nation. So his whole approach was we need to bring our nation back to what they had. I'd like to see America brought back to what they had. Amen. And then people would look at us and they would see Jesus. They would see the holiness, the lack of compromise, as well as the power being restored. I, I see, too, a word that's always been in, in our, uh, our, our teachings and in our Christianity. The great commandment is to love and the great commission, the things we call great, is to go ye into all the world, make disciples. Converts and disciples, there needs to be a clarity on the distinctive difference. Because in the, in, in the one translation it says, immersing them in the reality of the Father, in the reality of the Son, in the reality, that's not a conversion experience, that's a changed life that's a progressive transformation. That's supposed to be lived out every lived single out. day. And uh, one of the things, and we talked about this a little bit already, uh, Dr. Jen, is that this brings you back to your first love. Yes. And for those who are listening, uh, that's probably the very first question that you should ask yourself, how am I doing in my love for Jesus? Uh, because this whole teaching that they have brings you back to here's how you demonstrate your love for God. Here's how you demonstrate your love for Jesus by following the teachings that Jesus implemented while he was on this earth that the apostles also implemented to the Gentiles. And and so you need to ask yourself, is Jesus my first love? Do I love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? And then the Didache, that's where it starts, and then it builds from there. Now, you guys wrote this brand new book, The Lost Teachings of the Apostles, and you did a four-CD set for us, The Lost Art of Supernatural Living. Talk about the book, first of all. Uh, we basically talked about this already, but you'd call it a survival manual. Why did you write this book? Well, we've got several things that we're facing. One is the glory being restored to the church. But the Bible says that your sins separate you from God and no one can look on God, what are we going to do when the glory comes if we haven't prepared ourselves and we're not ready for it? We have got to be pursuing him to be ready for the glory. Uh, somebody that we know, big name, had a dream, and inside there was light and the glory, and outside was great darkness. And those who were really pursuing the Lord moved toward the light, but the ones who didn't want the Lord and they wanted to stay in their darkness just moved out into the darkness of the world. And we've got to be able to survive the glory. If we really want God, we're going to make ourselves ready for it. Now, on an individual basis, uh, Dennis, what what is this? Because it impacted you personally, impacted Jen personally. Uh, you're seeing it impact your church, but you're seeing it impact individuals. How is it, this book going to impact the people at home as, a, as an individual? As an individual, they need to see that, first of all, the first step is that repentance can be made readily available no matter where you're at. And that you let the Holy Spirit say, I'm not just looking at my behavior. That's one of the things that Didache brought up. To make this applicable, I'm not just looking at my behavior. I want the Holy Spirit to go to my motive. 
I okay. want to be so sensitive that it's not just uh, my actions, like I didn't kill anybody, I didn't murder anybody, so I don't need any of this. No, go to the, did you ever want to? Okay, that's the kind of thing that we saw the, that the holiness of God goes toward. He cleanses the conscience. And so you're able to stand in the times of great controversy, persecution, whatever. It's kind of like, oh, that's too bad you're persecuting me. I'd have loved on you anyway. It's, it's, it's a change of the heart. And then you get stronger on the inside. And then I believe that's when the, the discipleship, so to speak, the working it out in everyday life, then moves into purity, power, and, and a passion that you can't work up. Many people, they're calling passion is really kind of like an adrenaline rush. I don't want an adrenaline rush. I want that, that kind of anointing that everybody needs uh, to feel motivated by God. The motive is pure. The motive doesn't wear you out. You accomplish more with less effort. That's when you know the anointing is doing it, when you're accomplishing more with less effort, but yet at the same time, the passion and the power is there to live a transformed life. I feel like this is very important because a lot of people might hear holiness and think, think that they're going to have to try harder and um, that it'll be self-effort on them and they'll feel a lot of condemnation and guilt. The truth is you can't do anything anyway, not exactly. anything acceptable to God, exactly. that only Jesus living in us and through us is acceptable to him. So if you blow it and fall into temptation... What do you expect of yourself anyway? Just receive forgiveness from the forgiver in you and go back and yield to him. Don't be like the foolish Galatians who went back into self-effort. It's the most liberating, joyful way to live. We need to be praying more. Thank God for the evangelists bringing conversion experiences, but we're praying for the body, a selfer's prayer, to repent of being a selfer. You know, like, I repent of trying to live the Christian life in my own strength. That's the Galatians 2.20 experience that I believe even a seasoned believer needs desperately. And this is what I see with your book, is that for those who, of you who are listening, you've been wanting to go deeper in God. You, you're, you've had a desire, I feel in the spirit, that you, you've been saying to yourself, I want more. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. Uh, I'm not. I'm not receiving where. Uh, I'm not getting fed where I'm at. And I want to go deeper in God. I want to experience God in a deeper way. I want. I want to be used by God. This is the tool. This is the key to bring you back to that place of your first love, and then you'll understand. Even what they were talking about forgiveness, everything flows out of that. Your, the way you treat your spouse, the way you treat your family, your neighbor, loving yourself even. But, but when you implement the teachings uh, that are in this book, it will bring you back to that place that you've been, you've been hungry for for so long to go deep in God. And like Dennis was just saying, then there's going to be a fresh release out of you to be used by God in, in the ways that you've been wanting to. And you guys also did a four CD set, The Lost Art of Supernatural Living. You pray at the end of each CD. Talk about what this CD set. I know you're going to be challenged and inspired to go deep in God, you who are listening. Uh, but what, what do you feel that this CD set is going to do for the people at home? Well, for one thing, it's going to repair any cracks in your foundation. I believe that what the Didache has done and what we've taught was that no matter where you're at, 
new Christian, new believer, whatever, that the foundation is so significant. And to uh, get ready for what God has in store for the church universal, we need to make sure that if there's any weaknesses in our foundation, to get that filled up first. And, and the Holy Spirit will, if you're willing to allow God to search your heart, any wrong motives, any wrong areas of my life that are foundational, anything where culture has influenced me more than the Word of God, and allow that, that searching and be God-searching. This is not self-searching either. This is God-searching. This is intimately getting so yielded to Him that you're going to say, in this series, I expect to be different by the time I'm done listening. And I, I believe that that is not just possible. That's likely. That's so good. And then you guys obviously teach it. That's impartable. Yes. And they're, they're going to receive at home yes. uh, when they yes. listen to this CD, uh, these CDs. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about what is actually in the Didache. Now, again, for those of you who are listening, the Didache is a smaller book that's peppered within this beautiful uh, book that the Clarks wrote. Uh, uh, so in the Didache, the teaching of the Didache, there's so many wonderful, beautiful teachings. Let's talk about some of the ones that stand out to you. Yeah, I know they talk about humility in there. Right, humility, and of course that's that's the starting place. But the Didache has 16 chapters. It's um, about the size of, of a, an ordinary book, two chapters worth of words. Yeah. And it's designed to go through in several sections. There's a section on how to live the way of life, how to live the way the early disciples were taught to live. That's so good. And they spent they spent a while with a mentor going through this because it was not to get information. It was to have somebody to bounce things off of. How's this working in your daily life? Are you being transformed? Are you implementing it? So the first part that I think is the most important for today are the is the section on the way of life, and then it goes Talk into... Talk a little bit more about that, the way of life. Well, oh. let, let me share this. On the way of life, the thing that impressed me and changed me was it says there is a way of life and the way of death, and vast is the chasm between the two. <laughs> and I, well, well, there goes the gray areas. Right, exactly. <laughs> vast, that, that really struck me, and I'm saying, you know, as a, as a believer... Let's start with the beginning. There are two ways. There's the way of life and the way of death, and vast is the chasm between the two. That ministered to me that I'm not going to tolerate gray areas in my life. That's so good. That's so good. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what, what I say. And it's a way to demonstrate our love toward him. And, you know, the early believers called themselves the way. Right, mm -hmm. right. And this is the teaching of how to live that way of life, the same way of life that they lived. And the Song of Solomon talks about uh, it's little foxes that spoil the vine. Yes. And to me, this book helps you get delivered of those little foxes. Yes, absolutely. And again, it's not condemnation because it's Jesus doing the living. So you see, you slip out of that and, and go back to your carnality for a moment. You go right back to him and say, well, Jesus, without you, I'd have done worse. <laughs> now, let me let me put you guys on the spot. Uh, you guys have been through this. You've, your pastors, you've taught this. You've counseled people about this. You've imparted it. Your, your son was radically touched through this. Uh, you wrote a book about it. You commented so uh, beautifully through your book on the Didache. 
so how has it changed your life? Now, I know you talked about the driving, Dennis, and, and right. how it brought you back to your first love, uh, uh, Jen. What has happened to you guys uh, uh, overall now that you've dove into this teaching? There's so much more joy and stress is just about non-existent. non-existent it's it's all going to him and living out of him and one experience i had in doing this was um you know jesus lived as the perfect man he was our example and so we have that perfect man in us so one way this hit me was um for example now this might sound sound silly but my closet was a mess, and I had put it off for years and realized, well, Jesus, you wouldn't live with this, and yielded to him, and it was actually easy to not get stressed, not get frustrated, but Jesus, how do you want things to be? And it was just yielding to him in his perfection in me. And actually, what Jennifer's describing, I saw it in the message translation uh, of Romans 12, where it says, you know, offer your body a living sacrifice. That's the way we know it. But in the message, it basically said, you're every day, walk around, go to school, go to work life. <laughs> right. And I'm right. saying that's what we're looking for. But the, the transformation that I noticed experientially, and I'm believing this for everyone that reads the book, that, that this anointing is on the book. And that is the changing. You have no idea how much me needs to go to we. Wow. And people are going to, there's going to be people read this book and go, this sounds like legalism. This is too hard. Exactly. It is too hard. Jesus elevated the standard. Only Jesus can live this way. So we must go from a me to a we. And actually in the scripture, you know where we saw it clearest as far as a transition is when John said in 1 John 2, I speak to you little children because your sins are forgiven. But I believe what we're talking about is a young man experience. But I speak to you, young men, because the word of God abides in you strong and you've overcome the wicked one. And the only way you overcome is a we. It changes from a me, my sins are forgiven, God blesses me, uh, God is for me. But then all of a sudden it's a, uh, apart from him I can do nothing. And even I watched two preachers once argue over the word you. One said, well, you can't heal anybody. And the other one said, yes, you can and I said, you're both right as to how you're using that word you. Right. I no longer use the word you when it comes to loving, forgiving, uh, blessing, without it being a we. That's coming out of my new creation reality. But multitudes of Christians, and this book will change that, must move from a me. Now, there's a crisis experience where this happens, and Meaning you can receive there's a, it. There's an encounter There's first. an encounter, but then there's a progressive walking out. Okay, but Dennis, talk about that encounter again, because you guys, as far as I'm concerned, you may not have, but you've coined the whole principle of drop down. But you talk about that again in the book. Talk briefly yeah. about that again, because, because that's a big part of this, really. Everything that the Clarks are teaching, it's not something you do in your mind, in your head, and you, you, you okay, I got to get more holy and more focused. It <laughs> yeah. comes from within. Talk about exactly. that drop exactly. down. We even, periodically, we do it over in our church because we know it's going over the airwaves. We have to d- d- redefine that word, you. And even something as simple as forgiveness, people are forgiving from their head and thinking it's difficult. 
because that you is the individual. But what we're saying is who's really doing the forgiving? Only God can forgive sin, but yet at the same time, he said, unless you forgive. It has to be a joint co-laboring from, and as Matthew 18 says, I forgive from the heart. When you're forgiving, it's then it's you and Jesus. It's a we. It's a, they that are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. It, and so we had to teach people to get out of their head. Tell, tell them just briefly how to do that uh, okay. again here. It was, it was basically saying, uh, I didn't have them put their hand on their belly because Could that's I the Could I explain epicenter. how you did it for me? How you okay. taught me? Jennifer was a total head person, <laughs> intellect, <laughs> who right. had the theology yeah. down, but wasn't yeah. rich Go in ahead. experience. So how, did it, how did it work for you? Because those uh, at home that are listening to this, you have to understand that this is part of the book, that if you do what Jen's about to explain here, it's going to give you a head start. Okay, so I want you to do what Dennis told me to do. Now, go ahead and put your hand down on your belly because that's the door of your heart. It's what um, Jesus calls the door where he knocks. It's the seat of your emotions. It's the seat of your spirit. Jesus said out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. So start out by close your eyes and focus on Jesus in your heart. You might want to put your hand down there. Dennis had me do that. Now focus on where Jesus dwells in you and relax, yield to him. You just drop down from your head to your heart, which is where we live the Christian life. There's no anointing in your head apart from Jesus, so yield. Relax some more, keep your focus there, and notice how your perception changes. I could feel a gentle sense of peace. And peace increases proportional to your yielding. Now yield some more. And now, notice how that changes. Changes and when, to a little joy when bubble. When Dennis had me do this, right, I felt a little joy bubble. And he said, that's the joy of the Lord. And my whole understanding of the fruit of the Spirit changed, and I found out we can tap into the fruit of the Spirit, and we can live there. It's living in the presence of God. And by the way, the fruit of the Spirit is also armor because the enemy can't touch the fruit of the Spirit. And the peace will guard your heart and your mind. And, and by in this the way, room, I can, can you feel the change well, in the on peace? On that note, uh, Jen, the the peace that we feel, and I know you feel it at home, and the presence that you feel, to me, that's your launching pad for it everything is. that is in this book. Yes. And you're going to see and read everything with such joy and such a desire to go deep in God. Uh, Dennis, we just got a moment left. Would you mind uh, releasing a prayer, whatever's on your heart for the people at home? Yes, I want to pray for uh, for that Galatians 2.20 experience for all of you. I want you to be willing uh, to uh, pray a selfless prayer, if, if you want to call it that. But Lord, uh, I receive forgiveness for knowingly or unknowingly trying to live the Christian life in my own strength. I receive forgiveness down in my heart 
for trying to live. I'm yielding my will to him. It's, I'm moving from the place that, yes, I'm saved, but I want to move to lordship. And right now, I just release an impartation for an exchanged life, for that life that is no longer just my savior, but he's Lord. And I'm moving from the place of me to we. I want to be more God aware in my spirit. And now just drink in, receive. Don't pray in the spirit. It's a gift. You don't have to ask for it or beg for it. Just receive and welcome. Welcome Jesus to come and fill you anew. Say, Jesus, I welcome you to come live your life in me and through me. Amen. I know you feel what we feel here in the studio. You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guests, Drs. Dennis and Jen Clark, and I hear Sid to tell you how you can get the special resource. Many of you have been desiring to go deeper in God. You've been longing to experience God in a fresh way. Uh, the, uh, the old way is kind of getting stale. This resource is God's answer for you. Doctors Dennis and Jen Clark say that the principles found in their brand new book, An Ancient Blueprint for the Supernatural, will transform your walk of faith and release the glory of his presence into your life and your church. In their exclusive four CD set, The Lost Teachings of the Apostles, the Clarks share on the missing ingredients needed in the lives of 21st century believers and the body of Messiah as a whole. Additionally, as a bonus, you can download a digital version of their book, Small Groups That Work at No Cost. Call now for the Clark's brand new book, An Ancient Blueprint for the Supernatural, and their exclusive four CD set, The Lost Teachings of the Apostles, and as a bonus, the brand new book, Small Groups That Work for an invest small groups that work for an investment of 39 US dollars. The Clark's brand new book, An Ancient Blueprint for the Supernatural, their exclusive four CD set, The Lost Teachings of the Apostles, and as a bonus, their brand new book, Small Groups That Work. I'll tell you that bonus is worth the whole offer. It's such a life changer for you. Offer number 9691 for an investment of 39 US dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9691. Once again, the offer number is 9691.